Welcome to the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by Mike Yostrowski in association with Underground Sports Philadelphia. And welcome back to another exciting episode of the Goal Line Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Yastrowski, joined by always, Mr. Kyle Bennett. How you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm good. My team's 1-0. I've got my uh, my Venom signature mug right here with my drink of the week. We might have to start having a segment here just of what I'm drinking. I've got uh, some nice cran grape this week, uh, which is a nice little victory drink because my squad's 1-0. And uh, I'm feeling good, ready to talk uh, all the the week one shenanigans and then get into week two. You know, usually I agree with you on your drink of the week. I can't get behind cran, cran grape, really? man. I just, I, you know what? It's 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 the cranberry, man. Like I, I like fair. I like grape stuff, but maybe I just had bad experiences with vodka cranberries in college. I don't know, dude. The Makes cranberry sense. just. Cranberry just doesn't sit well for yeah, me. The cran grape is my favorite of the the cran combinations. Ocean Spray, not a sponsor of this podcast, but if they want to, I am a hundred percent down. <laughs> yeah, any, anything to get Kyle is free cran grape drinks. That Let's would be excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, I had a I had a Monday night miracle yesterday that in, you in did. our in our keeper league. I needed Denver's defense to be held to less than two points, which I thought to myself. No way that's going to happen in a million years. Oakland sucks. Denver's defense is great, and they got zero points, dude. They didn't have, they didn't have a single sack, no turnovers, nothing. So I was amped up, dude. Which is absurd because when you have Bradley Chubb and Von Miller on your defense, you expect something, and they got absolutely oh, nothing. Oh, no doubt. And going into the Sunday night game, he. Um, the guy I was playing against, Eric, he needed eight points between Vance McDonald and Denver's defense. And I was like, okay, that's a shoe. And I didn't even like, I didn't even flirt with the idea that I was going to win. And then Vance McDonald got held to only two catches in the last minute of the game. And then Denver's defense did nothing. So I'm in a great mood. You're in a great mood. You know who else is in a great mood? Antonio Brown. Yeah. And a lot of NFL fans because the saga is finally over. Yeah, it's it's you know what it's it's a good thing that it is because, dude, it, I don't know about you, but it was driving me absolutely nuts. You couldn't keep up. It was every thirty seconds something new unfolded, and here we are where everyone thinks that there's now conspiracy theories in in the NFL. There needs to be collusion, uh, you know, searching and stuff because Antonio Brown is now a member of the New England Patriots, Mikey, and I don't know about you. But that annoys the hell out of me. Dude, two things. One, I smell something fishy. I, I really do. It's just something doesn't add up here. Patriots just happen to have that much cap space available, and everything just happened to happen in like an hour and a half after the Raiders released them. Like, it, it, it all just doesn't make sense to me. And then my other thing is, Dude, who's going to beat the Patriots now? Like, realistically, like, Tom Brady's already a human cheat code. You give Antonio Brown to him, like, what's 
I don't see. I there, I don't know. There's a lot to digest with Antonio Brown going to New England. One, I am absolutely terrified for Josh Gordon. Not from a football perspective, but he is a guy that needs like a prim and proper locker room with no dysfunction because you don't want to see him off the field and, you know, have any potential mishaps like he's had in the past. And bringing in a guy as volatile as Antonio Brown into that locker room that's already got a guy like Michael Bennett who has, you know, it's been talked about publicly, he's not the greatest teammate, uh... It's a little concerning for me adding Antonio Brown to the mix here, and we all know how they have the cap space. It's because they employ Tom Brady's, uh, you know, trainer and the TB12 stuff, so that they pay him less because he makes more on the back end. And the the, the Patriots are, I, I just hate them. <laughs> it's all right, man. You know, uh, what? it's they grind we'll, my we'll, gears. We could talk about it forever. Um, we could do a whole but... podcast on Antonio Brown and the Patriots. We could, but you know what? I'm tired of hearing about him. You're tired of hearing about him. Uh, everyone else is tired of hearing about him. So we're moving on from Antonio Brown, but we'll stay on the Patriots real quick. Uh, earlier today, Demarius Thomas was traded to the Jets for a lowly sixth-round draft pick. Um, how do you how do you think that affects Demarius Thomas and the rest of the Jets? Um, one thing the Jets should have taken into account is the Patriots were willing to send a player to a division rival. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't smell good to me. Um, I like Demarius Thomas. He looked good in the preseason with the Patriots, but you're going from you know the Patriots offense to a new look uh, Jets offense. But silver lining here. Remember when Demarius Thomas was going off in Denver? Who the offensive coordinator was? It was Adam Gase. So that's a positive to look at, where he's familiar with the head coach. Um, I think that there is potential there for him to be a, a very solid number two or three wide receiver in that Jets offense, and it gives Sam Darnold a big wide receiver target uh, to throw to now. Yeah, in my opinion, it kind of just makes the it, – it, it's definitely an upgrade for Sam Darnold and the Jets, uh, but it makes the whole cluster – you know what I'm thinking, cluster wide flirting. receiver. Exactly, at, at, in the Jets, and it's – I thought we finally figured out that Jamison Crowder was going to be this like PPR monster, but then Demarius Thomas goes there, and you have no idea what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then especially when Chris Herndon comes back in yes. week four, or week five. So, I mean, I'm just staying away at this point from all Jets not named Le'Veon Bell. Can we talk about that touchdown catch Le'Veon Bell had, man? Oh, dude, he looked good, man. That he looked really dirty. good this Sunday. He looked good. Um, so while we're talking about Le'Veon Bell, we might as well switch it up and talk about a runner who is also pretty famous right now for holding out, and that's going to be Melvin Gordon. So Austin Eckler is the starting running back right now while Melvin Gordon's out, and Austin Eckler put up just under 40 PPR fantasy points. Disgusting. Um, so that, that leads me to believe that Melvin Gordon's starting role, if and when he decides to go back to the Chargers, uh, might be in jeopardy. What are, you, what are your thoughts about Melvin Gordon right now? So uh, it was reported uh, this past week by Ian Rappaport uh, that Melvin Gordon is expected to report to the Los Angeles Chargers between week six and eight, uh, so about halfway through the season. Um, he's going to have to report in order for this year to count towards his uh, you know, service time and for him to hit free agency next year to go to another team. 
because um, if he doesn't report, it doesn't count. It's very different from Le'Veon Bell's situation last year. So we will end up seeing Melvin Gordon at some point so he can get out of Los Angeles. Uh, it's just a matter of when. A lot of people are speculating that he won't play until after the Chargers' bye week, which is week 12, the final bye week of the season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so if you own Melvin Gordon, you could have him for the fantasy playoffs, but it's a matter of him just getting up to speed. Obviously, he's working out, but that's not going to equate to you know live practice action and live game action. Um, but it, there is some positives to Melvin Gordon now knowing that there's a potential show update for him rather than it just being a, a complete mystery. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens with Melvin Gordon. Um, I kind of had a feeling that Austin Eckler or Justin Jackson was going to completely go off in the first at least stint of the season. Uh, week one is obviously included in that. So I am, I am worried for Melvin Gordon's future in Los Angeles, but I'm not worried about his future in the NFL. I mean, he... Maybe he gets traded, maybe they bring him back and they just make a statement and have him be a healthy scratch, just pay out his contract and, and send him on his way. You know, you never know what's going to happen with Melvin Gordon, but it's definitely something to follow uh, in the coming weeks, especially in weeks six to eight, like you were saying. Um, now some, some injury news. So the big one, Tyreek Hill is expected to miss six to seven weeks. Uh, two questions for you. One, does this affect Pat Mahomes? Uh, the answer is no, because we saw what he did throughout the entire game on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense, which a lot of people were expecting to bounce back from their 2018 down year. Uh, Pat Mahomes, honestly, Mikey, might be one of the top five quarterback talents we'll ever see in the NFL. Yeah, dude, he's he's phenomenal, and you could take away... Tyreek Hill, you could even take away Sammy Watkins at this point, and he's still going to be just fine. Um, you know, I, knock on wood, I hope they don't take away Sammy Watkins anytime <laughs> soon because Sammy Watkins completely balled out. But uh, Pat Mahomes, there's there's no concern going forward with him uh, for Tyreek Hill being out. Now, for the next six to seven weeks, with Tyreek Hill being out, you know how I feel about Miko Hardman. I think that he's so similar to Tyreek Hill that I didn't think they would be able to coexist on the field. And McCole Harmon was nowhere to be found in week one. But with Tyreek Hill out for the next six to seven weeks, I think Hardman could be a potential flex option for the for the foreseeable future. He's definitely going to slide in perfectly. And I think Sammy Watkins now has top five wide receiver potential each and every week because he's going to be the number one wide receiver in that offense. Yeah, and the fact that he went off for like almost 50 points. He almost had three, <laughs> almost 200 receiving yards. And three touchdowns. We haven't Just seen that Sammy Watkins dirty. ever. I know. It's it's the Sammy Watkins we all hoped for, and we finally got it. It just took Pat Mahomes to unlock it. That was Clemson Sammy Watkins. Uh, another injury that happened, uh, Darius Geis, his knee, not the ACL knee, but the other one, uh, he is being I, – I don't know if they came out with any further updates later on today. I know that they were talking about a potential knee scoping, but they hadn't confirmed anything yet. Uh, with that being said, no matter the case, Darius Geis is going to miss at least one to two weeks, maybe upwards of four to five. Um, so that's something to monitor going forward. Yeah, and the, the shame of this injury is that it's the same knee he hurt in college, which was uh, referred to as the worst knee. Um, so we'll see how this plays out, but Jay Gruden did say 
that uh, he's going to be out a few weeks with uh, a meniscus injury. So, you know, it's definitely something to monitor. Adrian Peterson was a healthy scratch against the Eagles this week to the surprise of many. this upcoming week. He will be uh, that, that RB1 for Washington now. Uh, and Chris Thompson will uh, still get that flex role, but maybe a few more touches now that Darius Geis is going to be out for a few weeks. But, uh, you know, with Washington, if they're not up, and we saw this in that Eagles game, if they're not up, they're going away from the running game completely. And that's where I think Chris Thompson is more valuable uh, with Geis oh, being sure. out than Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I, I got to agree, and I'm only going to say this on the air because no one in my dynasty league is going to hear this until after waivers clear tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I, I have a, I have a claim on Chris Thompson right now. Uh, we, it's like a sixty million dollars salary cap league, and I'm bidding like three and a half million on him. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I think that might be lowballing it. So I'm hoping I can get him and use him as a flex this week. Uh, because I do have a lot of confidence in Chris Thompson going forward, especially in PPR leagues. Um, there's a few other injuries I want to touch base on. I don't want to talk too much about him just because I do want to get moving forward. Um, but Jaguars quarterback Nick Foles. This is such uh, a bummer, man. I know. I feel so bad for him, man. But you gotta, you gotta admit, Gardner Minshew came in. He actually looked pretty damn good. He looked very good. Uncle Rico stepping in for Napoleon Dynamite. Um, it's it's so unfortunate because we saw chemistry clicking. With Nick Foles and D.D. Westbrook and my guy that I told you guys last week to not sleep on, D.J. Chark, was clicking with Nick Foles uh, on that play where Nick Foles got injured. He threw a touchdown to D.J. Chark. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how Gardner Minshew uh, meshes with these wide receivers, but it definitely downgrades them until we see consistent production from Minshew. Um, But Nick Foles going down in the first year, in Jacksonville is, is such That's a rough. bummer because Jacksonville thought they found their quarterback and now uh, he could potentially be out for the entire season, which is, yeah. is so rough. And, you know, we wish nothing but the best for Nick Foles uh, moving forward and, you know, in his recovery. So get well soon, Mr. Foles, and uh, we'll see you out on the field, hopefully at some point this season, if not next year. And moving on to a couple receivers, Colts wide receiver Devin Funches broke his collarbone, Can landed we- on injured reserve. Can, we, ahead, can we talk about how many broken collarbones we had this week? Uh, too many, man. Three. Devin Funches, Tyreek Hill, and Nick Foles all broke their collarbones. That's just too much, man. It's it's it really is a shame. I don't know what's going on, but not good. We need better shoulder pads. No doubt, no <laughs> doubt. But so Devin Funches is out for the foreseeable future. Uh, Kiki Kute was injured coming into the season uh they thought he had a chance to play week one ultimately he didn't um and oh we just have breaking news on the air breaking news patriots wide receiver antonio brown accused my god three separate incidents of sexual assault and rape according to federal lawsuit filed on tuesday what the actual hell Holy shit. Okay, so this is shocking to say the wow. least. Wow. Um so I need to get on Twitter. Yeah, uh this is this is hashtag not a sponsor, but the sleeper app is a phenomenal app to Fantastic. have. Fantastic. 
you download that, you will get every piece of breaking news the second it happens. They basically scan Twitter for any credible source, and the second something gets tweeted out about an NFL player, gets sent directly to your phone. It's awesome. All right, so I have um, news here, Mikey. This was tweeted from TMZ. Uh, he's accused of raping his former trainer. A lawsuit's been filed, and here's a statement regarding Antonio Brown from uh, his representation um, right here that Ian Rappaport just quote tweeted. Um, let me pull it up so I can actually read it because it's a screenshot. But it says, uh, Antonio Brown learned today that he has been named in a lawsuit filed in federal court in the Southern District of Florida. Mr. Brown denies each and every allegation in the lawsuit. He will pursue all legal remedies to not only clear his name, but to also uh, protect other professional athletes against false accusations. Mr. Brown was approached by his accuser in 2017 shortly after Mr. Brown signed a contract making him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. At that time, Mr. Brown was asked to invest $1.6 million in the accuser's business project. Uh, Antonio Brown was not in, was not informed by his accuser that she had just been levied with a $30,000 IRS tax lien or that $300,000 of the $1.6 million so-called investment was to uh, be used to purchase property already owned by the accuser and her mother. Uh, when Mr. Brown refused to make the $1.6 million quote-unquote investment, the accuser supposedly cut off communications with him. However, in 2018, the accuser resurfaced and offered to travel to Pennsylvania and South Florida to train with Antonio Brown for the upcoming season. Thereafter, the accuser engaged Mr. Brown in a consensual personal relationship. Any sexual interaction with Mr. Brown was entirely consensual. The accuser not only traveled to Antonio Brown's residences, on multiple occasions, she traveled from Tennessee to Florida and returned at 2 a.m. to Antonio Brown's residence 10 days after the alleged assault. The accuser continued communications with Mr. Brown throughout 2018 and even asked Mr. Brown for tickets to a Pittsburgh Steelers football game in the winter of 2018. Uh, the accuser has continually posted photographs of Antonio Brown on her social media in an effort to financially benefit from his celebrity, Mr. Brown, whose hard work and dedication to his craft has allowed him to rise to the top of his profession, refuses to be the victim of what he believes to be a money grab. In May 2018, Brown's accuser uh, invited herself to join Brown and his friends, who were patrons at Miami Adult Entertainment Clubs. After several hours of partying, Mr. Brown and his friends called it a night. Instead of leaving by herself as she had arrived and returning to her hotel, Brown's accuser solicited Mr. Brown to join her and return to Brown's residence where the two engaged in consensual sex. Again, Mr. Brown denies all of the accuser's allegations. That's from Darren Heitner, who is Antonio Brown's uh, legal representation. Wow. So I'm no lawyer, neither are you, so we're not going to speculate on this. Um, you know, obviously it's a very serious allegation whenever Absolutely. something like this happens. Um, I mean, from from the statement that you you just read, it sounds like everything is is in the clear. It sounds like the whole thing baloney but that's only one side of the story so you know you, you really you really got to take everything with a grain of salt right now um so that is something that we'll be developing i i know for a fact over the next few days so stay tuned on that and uh you know uh like i said the the, the sleeper app hashtag not a sponsor uh download it and you will get every antonio brown update as it comes this is no laughing matter, but people making jokes on Twitter. Somebody said, see what happens when you hang around Ben Roethlisberger too long? This shit happens. Yikes. Yikes. Big yikes. Moving on. Wow. 
moving on. Um, so, like I was saying, Kiki Kute did not play Monday night. Uh, this was disappointing for the Texans, and having Kiki Kute might have been the difference between a win, a win and a loss. However, Kenny still filled in for him. Looked pretty damn good. Houston still did just fine against one of the best teams in the NFL. Their defense um, screwed him in this one. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. They're, I, I don't know what the hell they were thinking doing a prevent when all New Orleans needed was a field goal. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Um, and then the last guy that I want to talk about before we get into our week one recap is Tevin Coleman sustaining a high ankle sprain. Um, he has avoided the injured reserve list, which means they are hoping that he will be back within the next, you know, three to six weeks or so. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, Matt Breida is the only healthy running back in San Francisco. Yeah, it kind of sucks because I have uh, Tevin Coleman stock, and he's going to be out for two to six weeks at, you know, the the, the range right there. But uh, it sucks because he was one of their big offseason additions, and, reuniting uh, with Kyle Shanahan was supposed to pay dividends, and now it's Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert in the backfield in San Francisco. Yeah, that'll that'll be an interesting situation to watch. I will say Breida has a pretty easy matchup this weekend uh, against Cincinnati, I believe. Um, and somebody actually slid into the goal line DMs earlier asking if they should start Tyler Lockett or Matt Breida. My initial reaction was immediately to go with Tyler Lockett over, you know, with uh, him playing against Pittsburgh. But then I really looked into it, and I'm actually going to go with Matt Breida on that one. So that'll be that'll be an interesting situation to see moving forward. But for now, Matt Breida, in my opinion, is a must-start flex option, and that's not going to change until Tevin Coleman gets back. And I think Matt Breida kind of gains a little bit of like RB3, R- low RB2 upside now, and, and Raheem Mostert's going to be almost an every-week flex because he's going to be used in that offense. Yeah, so that's that's. There's always a silver lining to an injury. I mean, obviously, we don't want injury to any player in the NFL, but you know, there's always the next man up. So we'll see what happens with Matt Breida. See what happens with Tevin Coleman, and uh, that'll just about do it for our around the league news. Uh, can't before we get into the top performers. I can't believe this Antonio Brown thing. Oh, like that, dude! Is, I am floored. We, you know what, man? I think we're just bad luck. We need to stop getting on the air together so often because <laughs> two I or three times disagree. ago. Yeah, no, I disagree too. Andrew Luck retires when we're on the air. Antonio Brown is accused of sexual assault while we're on the air. I mean, God only knows what's going to happen next. So everybody stay tuned because the reactions are priceless. <laughs> Buckle um, so up. we're going to, we're going to get into the top performers and the busts of the week for week one. We'll get into the top performers first. Three quarterbacks that really stood out, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Deshaun Watson. Um, now, Lamar Jackson looks phenomenal. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But do you think it was more of him? Do you think it was more of Miami's terrible, horrendous team? Or do you think it was a little bit of both? Hey, I mean, that's pretty damn good for a running back. No doubt. <laughs> uh, Lamar Jackson looked phenomenal. Uh, his throwing mechanics, you know, I, I got to have... Uh, Kyle Barber from the Ravens SB Nation blog on Eagles Enemies, which if you haven't checked that series out, make sure you do on the Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast feed because the Eagles played the Ravens in the third week of the preseason. He talked about how Lamar Jackson really has worked on uh, you know, tweaking his, his throwing mechanics, and we saw a completely different Lamar Jackson on Sunday than we ever did last season. And if this is what Lamar Jackson is going to be able to do, 
granted, this was against Miami, but if he can consistently get the ball to his receivers like that, he's going to be an incredible quarterback for the next 10 to 12 years. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And the fact that he did all of that without really using his legs at all was uh, was, was honestly something special. I mean, Mark Andrews, a guy that you and I have been pumping up, and I've been on the Mark Andrews bandwagon since May. Um, I was so pumped to see him show out the way that he did. Uh, you give Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, uh, you know, in the short game, you give Marquise Brown in the long Hollywood. game. I mean – He's set up for success, and if Mark Ingram can keep doing what Mark Ingram does, I mean, I'm still a big hater of Mark Ingram. <laughs> I think the only reason why he did good is because they were playing against Miami, so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, even this week, he's just against Arizona, so, like, not a bad matchup at all. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens with Mark Ingram going forward. But Lamar, Lamar Jackson is an every-week starter at this point. Absolutely. And, uh, if you grabbed him late in your draft, you're probably pretty pumped. Yeah, and um, honestly, if you have a second quarterback, you could probably drop them and roster another skill position player. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely the case. Uh, next up, Dak Prescott. He looked phenomenal. I mean, granted, it was against the Giants, another team that is kind of crappy on defense, but there's no denying. I mean, Dak Prescott looked incredible in the air. Yeah, it was uh, it was weird. I'm still on board with Jerry Jones giving him $50 million a year, though. Um, pay the man, give him his money, but he looked damn good, and uh, he made Michael Gallup look really good. Phenomenal. Dude, Michael Gallup looked better than than Amari Cooper. Absolutely, and you know, uh, I talked is, about that is, last week, where I thought I was Michael Gallup say, was going to be the guy. We, yeah, yeah, so that's pretty cool. So Dak Prescott's another guy that I think you can actually... I, I've, I've been preaching for pretty much all offseason that Dak Prescott is the perfect late-round, low-end RB1 um, and after this performance, if he can keep this up, he's not going to be a low end or not RB one QB one. Uh, he's not going to be a low end QB one. He's going to be a, a high to mid range QB one in a lot of weeks. So Dak Prescott, uh, you definitely got bang for your buck in that draft pick. And then the other guy is Deshaun Watson, who was probably the second quarterback off of everyone's boards, um, in, in August when you did your drafts. Uh, it's, it's not a surprise to any of us that Deshaun Watson did well. I mean, him and DeAndre Hopkins, aside from those couple drops that Hopkins uncharacteristically had at the beginning of the game, uh, they looked phenomenal together. He connected with Will Fuller. He actually targeted Duke Johnson a few times. Um, so Deshaun Watson moving forward, I mean, you don't need us to tell you this, but he's obviously an every-week starter. Yeah, he, he hit that pretty ball towards the end of the game during that back-and-forth to Kenny Stills, which I think Kenny Stills could potentially eat into some Kiki QT stock uh, because he stays healthy. Uh, and then two other quarterbacks, in my opinion, that were, were top performers. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, he's a given, you know, he's the best quarterback in the league right now. But, you know, he threw for over 160 yards in the first half. Uh, he was absolutely filthy. And then Carson Wentz looked very good uh, in his first game back from injury. Was, you know, just dropping dimes and really elevated the offense for the Eagles in the second half. So those were the five quarterbacks that stood out to me this week. Yeah. Um, they they all looked pretty damn good. Moving on to the running backs, we have the obvious one, Christian McCaffrey. I could sit here and talk about I could I could have a two hour long podcast talking <laughs> about Christian McCaffrey because not only am I a Carolina Panthers fan, not only am I a huge Christian McCaffrey fan, but I'm a Christian McCaffrey fantasy owner in nearly every league I have. I drafted him number one overall numerous times this offseason. And um 
for those of you telling me I'm crazy for taking Christian McCaffrey over Saquon Barkley, suck it. He got 42 points this week. Suck it. That might be part of the title of this podcast. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey, deal with it. Suck it. <laughs> but, yeah, so he's phenomenal. But you don't need me to tell you that. Another guy we're going to talk about real quick, Austin Eckler. We briefly touched base on him. He did score just under 40 points. He is a huge threat to Melvin Gordon if Melvin Gordon decides to come back uh, between week six and eight like we, uh, like we were talking about. Um, do you Now, him getting 39 PPR points every week is obviously impossible. Um, what do you think is a realistic expectation for Eckler going forward? I could see him averaging around like 15 to 18. Uh, I think this week was kind of an outlier just because it, it was kind of the flow of the game and they were going back and forth with Indianapolis through the air. I don't see him coming anywhere close to this week in and week out. He could have weeks like this again, uh, but I think like the 15 to 18, potentially 20 point range just because he's going to be receiving the ball a ton, which will get you those reception points in PPR leagues. Um, he's going to be a valuable asset moving forward. Yeah, and then especially especially in PPR leagues, I mean, he he's great. Mike Williams is potentially out with an injury, uh, at least for this week. They really haven't said anything about it yet, um, which I guess no news is good news. But if Mike Williams misses any time, that entire offense, you know, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, and Austin Eckler are all going to get upticks in targets. So, you know, Eckler, as of right now, Eckler is a must-start every week. You Absolutely. can't come off of a 40-point week in an offense like that and and not and, and put him on your bench. So Austin Eckler has to be started. Yeah, now, these next, these next two guys, one of them, you can look at me and say, ha, I told you so. And the other one, I can look at you and say, ha, I told That's you very so. Very true. So I'll let you tell me so first. Um, ha, I told you so. The Titans did that damn thing, and Derrick Henry – uh, he caught a pass for a touchdown and just absolutely blew by the Browns' defense. I don't know how because it looks like I could beat him in a 40-yard dash. Uh, it looks like anybody could. But He, he looks was... he looked so slow. You know, it's funny. I was listening to the fantasy football list this is exactly uh, where earlier. I... <laughs> yeah. And they, they, one of them said that they, they watched the film again. And he, he looked like so, a gazelle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, like his strides were just so long, long and graceful. That... Uh, you know, and he was he was he was booking it, and that honestly saved his fantasy performance too. Uh, was yeah. that long? I mean, that run. was he had. I, I, I want to say about twenty eight PPR points, and without that, without that, he would have had about thirteen or fourteen, which is still respectable. Um, but as an RB two, and I think in my in my opinion, that's probably what you're going to get from Derrick Henry the majority of the time. It's just RB two numbers, but he obviously does have that upside. Yeah, he had 84 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown, so you'll take that every week from Derrick Henry if you can get it. Um, but Marcus Mariota looked comfortable, you know, using him. Uh, the offense looked comfortable using him, and that's a good sign for Derrick Henry owners moving forward because last year it was hit or miss with him. Uh, for him to get 19 carries in this game, and obviously game flow has a lot to do with the style of running that Derrick Henry possesses, uh, so you're going to want to see the Titans up, but as the game went on, Marcus Mariota looked more comfortable throwing the ball too to his receivers, including your guy, A.J. Brown. Um, Love him. So that was also very good to see um, for the stock of A.J. Brown, but 
Derrick Henry is still very game flow dependent, but I think you could still trust him for RB2 numbers moving forward right now. Yeah, and the guy that I'm going to tell you so about. Yeah, huh? this blew Told me away. So. Chris Carson, 24 PPR points. Now, I, I will say, you know, on the ground, he had 15 rush attempts for 46 rush yards. So three yards a carry is nothing stupendous. However, they wanted to get him at least 50 targets this year, and a lot of people were really questioning on whether or not that could actually happen. He had seven targets, six catches for 35 yards, and a reception touchdown on top of his rushing touchdown. So he only finished the week with about 81 total yards, but he had six catches and two touchdowns to boot. Um, if Seattle was going to use him like that, you know, if they're going to give him 15 rush attempts and you know potentially six to eight targets every week, there's not a there's not a snowball's chance in hell that Chris Carson is ever going to be outside of the RB2 range. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly shocked. The only thing that's a little concerning to me uh, from the reception standpoint is that he was only able to muster 35 yards, uh, so you'd want to see more yardage after the catch from him. Um, For sure. But, For sure. you know, that's definitely a good sign moving forward, and it shows that Pete Carroll might actually be figuring out how to use a running back for the first time since Marshawn Lynch um, and throwing to them as well. So uh, that's a, a big positive moving forward for Chris Carson owners, and I'm happy to admit that I was wrong at least for week one. And so the, the, the three quarterbacks and the four running backs we just went over, none of that is necessarily uncharacteristic of those guys. Um, you know, these are, these are all guys that have a high ceiling um, pretty much any given week. Some of them don't have as safe of a floor as the other ones, but they all have a pretty high ceiling. Now, the receivers that we're going to get into, I would say at least three of these guys are extremely volatile, but also very worthy of, of being top performers. Uh, so the first one I want to dive into is the obvious one, Sammy Watkins, who had just shy of 50 PPR points. Uh, we touched base on him already. He had basically half of Pat Mahomes' yards. He had those two touchdowns. And, dude, he, he, he looked phenomenal. And with Tyreek Hill out, he's going to continue looking phenomenal. And it's, it's definitely not out of the question to see him repeat as a top five performer at any point this season. Yeah, he's going to be the number one target with Tyreek Hill out, and uh, I'm very intrigued to see what he's going to be able to do because he's a guy that who also has injury concerns, so we're going to have to stay, see him stay healthy uh, during this course where Tyreek Hill is out, but if he can put up you know even half of those numbers week in and week out, Sammy Watkins is going to be very valuable uh, in fantasy moving forward. For sure. Next. Next guy I want to get into is your boy from the Philadelphia Eagles, Deshaun Jackson. That he had 10 mode. PPR points. Oh, I know. Dude, he, he looked great. You know, 10 targets, 8 catches, 154 yards, and uh, 2 touchdowns. Now, Deshaun Jackson, and I think even you'll admit this, he is a volatile fantasy football player. For sure. Because he relies – now, don't get me wrong. He's a phenomenal receiver. He's so fast. He's, he's so much fun to watch. But if Deshaun Jackson doesn't hit that home run ball – I mean, both of his touchdowns were from over 40 yards, right? Uh, they were both over 50 yards. It they was... were both over 50 yards. Okay. So he, even if you take those away, he still had six catches for about 50 yards. But that's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's one of those players where he's extremely home run hit um, reliant. But he's also that guy that I'd be comfortable putting in my flex position or my wide receiver three every week if I have 
a safe rest of the roster just because you want a guy that can go off like that on a moment's notice. Absolutely. And, you know, it was it was good to see the chemistry there with Carson Wentz because a lot of people question his ability to throw the deep ball. And Carson Wentz looked completely comfortable getting those balls to Deshaun Jackson. And uh, he was hitting it in stride. And it was, it was very promising, especially with a lot of people concerned about that broken finger. He looked completely fine out there. And, uh, you know, even if Deshaun, like Sammy Watkins, can get half of that production for you, uh, he's going to be a very solid flex play, potential wide receiver two upside because of the home run ability uh, all season long. Yeah, no doubt. Um, there's there's plenty of worse guys that you could have on a roster than Deshaun Jackson. And if you, if you have a stable starting lineup, uh, you should have no issue plugging in Deshaun Jackson, especially in plus matchups. Yes. Uh, next guy I want to talk about, John Ross finished only 0.6 points behind Deshaun Jackson. Now, I know a lot of people are thinking that John Ross has been absolutely no one the past couple of years. This this has to be a fluke. Um, I don't. I'm not so sure about that because he had 12 targets on the day. Andy Dalton targeted this man 12 times, and Andy Dalton looked phenomenal against a Seattle's defense who is actually pretty decent right now. So. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen when A.J. Green comes back because A.J. Green is going to go back to being 1A. Tyler Boyd is going to be 1B. I don't know what's going to happen with John Ross. But for as long as A.J. Green is out, I think John Ross can be started every week. I'm still really hesitant on John Ross. Um, You know, he's known as that home run hitter type guy. He was drafted in the first round because of his speed. Um, But when he has these days, it's typically been – you know, one catch for a touchdown, and that's when we've seen that big production. Uh, I think A.J. Green being out was a big part of it. I also think it being a close game where Andy Dalton was kind of forced to throw the ball um, was part of it. And then, you know, with uh, Joe Mixon getting that injury uh, during the game, it, it, it was kind of a game flow thing. I don't know how much I trust John Ross moving forward. He's going to be a popular waiver wire ad, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But I'm not putting a, a claim in for John Ross this week just because, you know, you don't want to get bit by inconsistency on a track record just for no one big week. No doubt. Um, he, in my opinion, this could be the early stage of a Deshaun Jackson type player. In the yes. Um, but with that being said, 12 targets, that's 12 targets. If he's going to come even close to that while A.J. Green is out, uh, he's definitely worth a start. But, you, you know, you're right. In, in, in week two, the Bengals are playing against the 49ers. 49ers coming off of a big game in the secondary. Then again, they also played Jameis Winston, who was just garbage. Um, and the 49ers defense looked very good, too. Sure, they were playing yeah. a garbage quarterback, but, you know, sometimes those defenses – take it a notch down, they stepped up and performed in a big way. So I wouldn't under underestimate the 49ers' defense uh, against the Bengals' offense. For sure. Uh, moving on to the next one, DeAndre Hopkins. My boy. 32 points. Uh, as much as we want to talk about him, I don't really think there's a need to. There's nothing we could say to these people that they don't already know about DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's a stud. Uh, I he know- suplexes people. He does suplex people. Um, And I I know that there was some concern at the very beginning of the game when he dropped three passes, Um, but he picked himself up, shrugged that off, and finished out the game like the elite number one overall receiver that he is. 
yeah, he's going to be just fine. He is in a realm of his own, and he's just so fun to watch. This next guy, this last receiver we're going to talk about, um, he might be the most popular receiver added off of waivers this week. Might even be the most popular player added off of waivers this week. Um, I I still can't get behind him in a redraft league just yet because he only played 12 snaps of the entire day. But with what, little snaps, with what little snaps he played, Marquise Brown played phenomenally. I agree with you 100%. You know, he only played 12 snaps, and uh, you can look at it from a positive where he capitalized on those 12 snaps, but if you're only playing 12 snaps every week or in that range while he re- still recovers from this injury, uh, you don't want to bet, you know, your flex position player or a wide receiver position uh, on that t- on those type of odds. Like, it, it, yeah. it's and, not and smart. You know what, he's... He's not going to come in and be like a Deshaun Jackson. Where Deshaun Jackson, he's high risk, high reward, but his floor, he's still going to get you like that eight points that you need to have a serviceable week from a flex player or a third wide receiver. But Marquise Brown, I mean, for all we know, his floor could be like one catch for 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Until, you know we see, I mean? until we see more. Like he could end up being the number one wide receiver in that offense, but it's only one week and we need a bigger sample size than just 12 snaps to kind of gauge what he's going to be able to do with Lamar Jackson. No doubt. And these last uh, big top performers that we're going to talk about, uh, first, they're they're tight ends. First one we're going to talk about, Evan Ingram. We all knew he was going to come in and basically be the focal point, not name Saquon Barkley in this offense. Uh, He did just that, had the best week out of any tight ends in the entire NFL. And uh, I, th- I think we can expect more of the same from him, especially with how that wide receiver core is. Yeah, with Sterling Shepard suffering a concussion and he's in the protocol now, Evan Ingram might be the only guy out there being able to catch passes along with Saquon Barkley. So, uh, you know, if you invest in Evan Ingram, you did something smart when it came to the Giants. So uh, he's a guy moving forward that's going to see a lot of volume and uh, put up big numbers in an otherwise poor offense uh, for the New York Giants. These next three guys that I'm going to go over, uh, I'm just going to pat myself on the back real quick. <laughs> because not only do I love and have I preached all three of these guys, but I have all three of them on my dynasty roster. <laughs> and it's just filthy. The next top perform at the tight end position was none other than Mr. TJ Hawkinson, who was a target monster, looked like he could potentially evolve into matt stafford's favorite target like right off the bat um dude tj hawkinson looked great and it's it's one of those things where like yeah he's a rookie yeah it was just his first game so like there's a lot of recency bias there but you never see a huge first nfl game from tight ends like that yeah and matthew stafford's also never had a tight end like hawkinson You know, they had Eric Ebron back in the day, and he was nothing like he was for the Colts last year. Uh, A lot of people labeled him a bust. Um, But Hawkinson is a a different type of tight end that Matthew Stafford's never had the ability to throw to. And I think that relationship is going to continue to grow and build. And it's going to affect Marvin Jones for sure. But if you have TJ Hawkinson, you are sitting pretty right now. Yeah, you're probably pretty happy because I know I sure am. <laughs> um, and it, it just works perfectly on this offense too because you have Marvin Jones taking off the top. You have Kenny Galladay, who's the big, giant threat receiver. And then you have Danny Amendola, who looked pretty decent. He was, was uh, 
Yeah, he really did, and he was getting he got targeted even more than T.J. Hawkinson did, um, and that leaves a wide open field for T.J. Hawkinson, and he has this incredible ability for run after the catch. So uh, going forward, I mean, if he's not rostered in your league, whether you get him or not, he is going to be rostered this time tomorrow when waivers clear. Uh, hopefully, you have a high waiver priority so that you can snag him up um, because there is. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there is a high possibility that this rookie is a top 10 tight end for redraft leagues this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Would not so, be shocked at all. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. And there's only one tight end in this league for fantasy that I have been preaching more than TJ Hawkinson, and that's Mr. Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens, who also went out and completely tore it up. Um, he was He looked like he was Lamar Jackson's favorite target. I'm sitting here in underground studios in my chair doing a happy dance because not only do I have Mark Andrews in our Keeper League, uh, I also had a nice little gift from FanDuel, not a sponsor, uh, for a voucher to do a, uh, a daily fantasy lineup. Picked Mark Andrews, uh, and on a free lineup that I made, I won $15 this weekend. Hey, so I was, I was hey. dancing pretty with Mr. Mark Andrews this weekend. You know what? That, uh, that $15 will cover your side of the bet. That's very true. <laughs> but yeah, Mark Andrews popped off. Eight targets, eight receptions, 108 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. Obviously, there's something about the number eight. Uh, fun fact for you, his bye week is even in week eight. So that's kind of funny. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, so going forward, I mean, Mark Andrews turns into pretty much an every week starter almost immediately. And he faces against Arizona Cardinals, who were just completely torched by TJ Hawkinson. So Mark Andrews needs to be in lineups this week. Yes, I'm very excited because he is going to feast on that Arizona Cardinals defense. And then the last tight end we're going to talk about is Delani Walker, another guy that I'm extremely high on, where if you go back to like April in the goal line feed, I was tweeting out, how is no one talking about him? Like he's coming off of injury, but he's also coming. He's only two seasons removed from like a top six tight end finish. So Delaney Walker is still obviously Marcus Mariota's favorite target, and it it really shouldn't come to a surprise to anyone that he had two touchdowns on Sunday. Two tutties. Delaney Walker looked like you know Delaney Walker of old, and uh, he's still one of the best tight ends going right now, even at age thirty five or thirty six, whatever he is. Uh, 35 last month he is balling uh and if you drafted him or picked him up after your draft you're balling on a budget because he's well worth it and he's going to be a top seven tight end in my opinion yeah he's i mean all four of these guys we just talked about i i would genuinely be surprised if any four of those guys finished out of the tight end one range um and there's there's a very real possibility that one of those four guys could actually be i mean I don't want to jinx anything, but I think one of these guys could overtake Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and Zach Ertz and potentially be a top, like the top tight end this year because they look that good. Interesting. I don't. I, yeah. I don't know about that just yet, but I think they could. All four of these guys are going to find themselves in that second tier. Yeah. Um, so that'll do it for the top performers of the week for each position. Um, now we're going to go on to this next segment, which is going to be the busts of the week, but I'm going to kind of combine it with our next segment as well, which is going to be the panic and don't panic, because all of these guys that we're about to list are prime candidates on whether or not we should be panicking. Uh, so week one, I'm not even going to read the stats because they were all just awful. 
week one quarterbacks, Cam Newton had the worst fantasy output by any starting quarterback this week. He even had less fantasy points, or no, he had slightly more fantasy points than Nick Foles, who was knocked out in the first half. Yeah, I have Cam um, Newton in uh, my charity league that I'm in playing for Chris Long's Waterboys Foundation, and uh, I was quite annoyed that uh, he did not come to play on Sunday. Dude, you and me both. I mean, speaking as a Panthers fan, that was that was terrible to watch. You know, he looked completely flat. Uh, he was inconsistent as a passer. He was non-existent in the run game. Um, but there is good news. I am going to say don't panic on Cam. Yeah, I'll say don't panic for now. It's I will be in full-on panic mode if he can't string together at least a 20-point fantasy game against Tampa Bay in two days, or I guess by the time everyone hears this, by tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things are going to change with Cam Newton depending on how well he plays on Thursday night against the Buccaneers. I mean, granted, he did just play against the Los Angeles Rams. And the Rams are one of the most vicious defenses that you can face. So it's not all his fault. But all I can say as a Panthers fan is thank God Christian McCaffrey <laughs> looked the way he did or else there would be nothing positive to take from that game. Hysteria. Um, next up, panic or don't panic, Baker Mayfield. I'm a little bit panicked. I'm a little bit panicked too, man. Like He looked lost. He looked completely lost, and it's not – like, Tennessee's defense is a pretty good defense. Mm-hmm. They but, have some really nice pieces, but – But they're not an elite defense. No. And this offense that Cleveland has is supposed to be an elite offense. It's supposed to be really great quarterback Baker Mayfield, really great running back Nick Chubb, elite receiver Odell Beckham, Really good receiver Jarvis Landry, really good tight end David Njoku. Like, this is supposed to be a really damn good offense. And, I mean, Baker Mayfield, three interceptions, it, it, it wasn't good. And this was in Cleveland. Um, but the reason I'm only panicking a little bit is because it was week one, new head coach, and the the Browns committed, I believe, 15 offensive penalties uh, which is the most that the team has committed since Bill Belichick was the head coach of the yeah. Browns. So take that <laughs> for what lot. it's worth. Um, but I think they'll clean some things up, which will make Baker look like we saw last year. Um, but maybe run your mouth a little less, Baker, and, and focus on your playbook rather than some other people because you did not look good on Sunday. Yeah. And let me before before we move on to the to the last bust of the quarterback, I'm going to ask you a hypothetical question. So Baker Mayfield was being taken as a top five quarterback in pretty much every draft last month, right? If you had the option, like let's say you drafted Baker Mayfield, you have the number one waiver priority. Lamar Jackson is out there. But the only way you get Lamar Jackson is by dropping Baker Mayfield. Do you make that leap already or is that like – Wow, that's tough. Um. Because think, Lamar Jackson, obviously, he just had the best fantasy output for any quarterback. Right. I know you're a huge fan of him. So you you personally, who is a Lamar Jackson fan, who is slightly panicking over Baker Mayfield? I'm a huge Would fan of both that? guys. Um, they were two of my favorite quarterbacks in that draft class. I don't think I would make that move just yet. Um, I agree. But 
It depends. I sure de- as hell would think about it. It depends on your roster too. Who else you have at your skill position players? If they're going to carry you, uh, and you can afford to kind of you know play a little bit with your quarterback position, I'd I'd heavily consider it. Yeah. So and it, it sucks because like it's, you're not even in a position to sell Baker Mayfield right now because yeah. after that performance, no one's going to buy him, and no one's if you do manage to sell him, you're not going to get what you deserve for Baker no. Mayfield. Uh, so moving on from Baker. Next up, panic or don't panic, Aaron Rodgers. R-E-L-A-X. I'm yeah. not panicking about Aaron Rodgers. It was a Thursday night game. Uh, against the Chicago against the Bears. Bears. And, you know, nobody plays good on these Thursday night opening games to start the season. We saw it last year with the Eagles and the Falcons. We've seen it year in and year out since they started doing this. I'm, I'm not worried. Yeah, I'm not worried either. And, you know what? I am worried for the offense a little bit just because of Matt LaFleur. Um, I, I mean, I saw someone on Twitter, they tweeted out after the Packers game was over. They were like, oh, last year the Tennessee Titans had one of the worst offenses in the entire league. <laughs> Matt LaFleur goes to Green Bay and the same thing happens. Who could have seen this coming? <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I think ultimately they're, they're, they're going to get it on track. Worst case scenario, Aaron Rodgers is going to look at Matt LaFleur in the middle of the game Tell him to go F himself, and he's going to start calling the plays himself, and then Green Bay is going to win, and a chain reaction is going to happen. But this is this is Aaron Rodgers' team. I don't care who the coach is. Um, it, he's going to work it out. Yeah. Everything's going to be fine. There's no need to panic over Aaron Rodgers. Which brings me to the running backs. Are we panicking on Green Bay running back Aaron Jones? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's a guy that is, is game flow dependent right now in a new offense, and uh, granted, he was playing against the Bears, who have a very good run defense, um, but I'm a little panicked, but don't try to go out and sell Aaron Jones right now, but just be cautious. Yeah, I'd be cautious going forward, too. Um, I am. I personally would like to sit him this week if I have him, which I do have him in my Dynasty League. He is my only RB2. Like, my other guys are like, LaShawn McCoy, Latavius Murray, whatever, like, you know, they they offer some upside, but they don't have an established floor, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Jones kind of does, and his ceiling is just as high, if not a little bit higher than theirs. So as of right now, I am forced to start Aaron Jones in the RB2 spot. However, I do want to point out that I have Devin Singletary on my practice squad, and I was flirting with the idea of activating Devin Singletary and starting him over Aaron Jones this week. So... If that's any indication, yes, I am kind of panicking about Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah, but he also he also has a crappy matchup. You know, he's against Minnesota, yep. who also has a pretty damn good defensive line. And in 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 my opinion, he's got two really hard defenses back to back. So I think he's going to start off the season obviously pretty poorly. Um, if you are an Aaron Jones believer, and if you're not panicking. After the Minnesota game, it's going to be the perfect buy-low opportunity mm-hmm. on Aaron Jones. Definitely. But with that being said, we are panicking a little bit about him over here. Um, staying in the division, we'll move over to Detroit. I'm a big panic on on Johnson. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, he was so highly toted after this offseason. Um, he was drafted in the third round in most most leagues. Um, I've seen. I actually saw him go in the second round. Uh, in one of my leagues, which was a little too high for, for me. But, um, dude, this offense, not only does it look like they don't really need to use him, 
Uh, but it looks like they don't even want to use him. Yeah, it's weird. Matt Patricia's just such a bad coach, man. And Matthew Stafford's going to be throwing the ball to all these shiny toys, especially Hawkinson now. Uh, I'm I'm big scared for on Johnson. Well, you know what the worst part is? We all thought on Johnson was going to come in and be this legitimate PPR uh, threat, but Matt Stafford really didn't look his way all too much. So I think, uh, you know, just like – I am panicking on on a lot more than I'm panicking on Aaron Jones. Um, however, just like Aaron Jones, you can't drop him. You can't no. sell him right now. You have you have no choice but to hold on to him. Uh, he plays against the Chargers. The Chargers were completely grinded down by Marlon Mack for 25 fantasy points last week. So if on Johnson is on your roster, you can start him this week. But just know that if he doesn't produce how you want him to this week, that could be an omen for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not overly concerned. I, I am concerned, but not overly, because this game did go into overtime, and it was very pass-heavy uh, once the game was tied, and Arizona came back against Detroit. So you also have to take that into account. Um, but I'm definitely a little nervous, because we didn't see uh, a lot of running back usage in the game plan at all. Yeah. Uh, next running back up. This is my biggest the- panic of the week. Devonta Freeman, I am freaking out about. Now, Atlanta just looked not good um, altogether. All I mean, Minnesota's defense uh, was Step pretty up. punishing for them, um, but they, they didn't look good at all. Uh, and even though Matt Ryan had 300 passing yards, he didn't look that good. Um, Devonta Freeman nearly split carries with Edo Smith. Or not carries. He, he nearly split snaps with yeah. Edo Smith, I should say. I I just finished uh recording Eagles enemies for this week with with David Walker from the Falcoholic. And, you know, he we were talking about Devonta Freeman and uh he's a guy that again, you can't drop him because you know his track record, but ever since he signed that contract in twenty sixteen, he's been derailed by injuries and then he couldn't get going against the Vikings. But if you go and look at what Edo Smith did he was averaging around five yards a carry, so he was able to find the cracks in that Vikings defense where Devonta Freeman couldn't. Uh, so that's very concerning. Um, but, you know, he gets an Eagles defense this week that just lost Malik Jackson, who is an elite pass rusher, not a great run stuffer. Um, so that's something to monitor at least. So he could potentially bounce back, but another tough defensive matchup uh, in terms of a running back for Devonta Freeman this week. And I'm very concerned because, uh, you know, Dan Quinn is on the hot seat, so things could change up real quick in Atlanta if things get off to a, a rocky start for that team. Yeah, and you know what really sucks is that if you're a Devonta Freeman owner, you kind of have to start him this week um, because chances are you invested a third-round pick in him, or maybe you got lucky and got him in the fourth round. Or I don't even know if I can say lucky at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm panicking about Freeman. I personally have him in our, in our keeper league. I am starting him this week in hopes that he does bounce back um, you know, I'm not in full on super crazy panic mode, but out of all of the players on this list, like I, we have 12 players that are our busts of the week. I'm panicking about Devonta Freeman the most. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's a big, uh, Sunday scary as they say. Oh, big time. Uh, the other Devonta on this list, the ride receiver from green Bay, uh, Mr. Devonte Adams. I'm not panicking nah. at all. You know, like last year he had all those big games and we were just waiting for the stinker. It never happened. These are going to happen. Like it, it just does. So I, yeah, like there's not even much when, to talk about with Devonte Adams. 
when we ran our consistency rankings, he was the number one overall most consistent player in the entire league last year uh, for a fantasy perspective. So, I mean, did we honestly think he was going to be able to stay perfect for the rest of his career? Like, absolutely not. And it comes to a it comes to a Chicago's defense on that first Thursday night game, completely new coaching staff. I mean, everything was just working against the Packers in this one. So I'm not panicking on on uh, Devontae Adams. I actually did. So um, Eric Sweeney, he's one of the writers at, at Goal Line. He put in our chat today that he made a massive, massive trade in one of his leagues. He traded away Derrick Henry, and in return, the panicking Devontae Adams owner sent him Devontae Adams straight up for Derrick Henry. Moron. I know. I Dude, Derrick Henry is, is going to be a lot better than I anticipated this year. But no shot I would take him even once out of 100 times over Devontae Adams. To the person who acquired Derrick Henry, hey, buddy, what'd you do? Just blown from Stupid Town? <laughs> but yeah, so Adams is nowhere to panic. Uh, the next guy I'm also not panicking about, and that's Brandon Cooks. Yeah, Jared Goff just looked terrible in that game. He was forcing Jared it. Gerf. He was just forcing it to Cooper Cup. Um, which is a positive for Cooper Cup, but I, I'm not concerned about Brandon Cooks. Like, there's again nah. not much to talk about with Brandon Cooks. He's one of the most consistent guys out there. You know, he's finished as a top 15 PPR receiver the last you know three or four years in a row. Uh, there, there's really no cause for concern there. So we'll move on to Stefan Diggs. Oh yeah, kind I kind of am panicking. Oh, about. I'm I'm big panic, but it also makes my brand look really good um, because a lot of people know I am not a Stefan Diggs truther, but uh, the big thing for him is that he popped up on the injury report this week, and that has been Stefan Diggs' biggest knock, is that he can't stay healthy, and normally it's during well, the it's, season. It's, it's a hamstring too, isn't it? Yeah, and normally he gets hurt during the season, but it's week one, and he's already dealing with a soft tissue injury. He's a speed Dude. guy. This is concerning, plus the Vikings only threw the ball ten times. They're not yeah. going to do that every week, but they are looking to... Make this offense run through Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. So if I'm a Stephon yeah. Diggs owner, I'm I'm pretty concerned. Yeah, um, that's yeah. I, I agree with you 110. percent Between the injury, the lack of passing attempts, and just being even the second option on this on this offense, it's just it's it's not going to bode well. Uh, Stefan Diggs is one of those guys where if you have him, honestly, I would I would start him. I wouldn't start him this week against Green Bay. Actually, no, Green Bay had a fantastic. They had the best defense of the week. Uh, and if you if you have Stefan Diggs, keep him on your bench. Yeah. Oh, pray, pray that he goes off against Green Bay and then trade him. Yeah. Um, but he is a guy that uh, I, I don't have a whole hell of a lot of confidence nope. for in 2019. Uh, moving on to the tight ends, O.J. Howard, panic or don't panic? Um, I'm not panicking, but it was a bummer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all Jameis Winston now. Yeah, like, that's the big, that's who Winston, you're concerned about for that entire offense. I know, I know. So, it was a bummer to see O.J. Howard, who was a big breakout candidate uh, for the tight end position to just put up a stinker. Um, but I think it'll it'll get there. Depends on who the quarterback is. Um, and if Jameis can turn it around, you know, he's just the, one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks we've ever seen in our lifetime. And it's just a matter of him 
hopefully figuring it out with Bruce Arians. Dude, Winston is not inconsistent at all. He's always good for at least two or three interceptions. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not panicking on O.J. Howard, which also brings me to Mike Evans. Uh, I wasn't going to talk about him, but Mike Evans was held to, like, five or six PPR points, if that. Mike Evans uh, was also dealing with an illness, and I think it just carried well, over. So exactly, I'm, not, I'm not too exactly. worried about Mike Evans. But I am worried about this quarterback play, so I wouldn't be as worried if they still had Ryan Fitzpatrick back there to come in and kind of salvage things, but they don't. So we'll, we'll see. But as far as O.J. Howard goes, I'm not panicking. Yeah. Uh, Vance McDonald, I am panicking. Uh, I'm not panicking. I was in Pittsburgh for this game, so I was talking to a lot of Steelers fans in Permani Brothers, not a sponsor. Great food, though. Um, and, you know, <laughs> one of the fans was telling me, the Steelers and Patriots typically end up meeting in the playoffs at one point or another. If they're sure. down by a mile like that, Mike Tomlin's not going to want to show the Patriots all the things in the wheelhouse. So I think that played a part in it, and they just looked flat out bad to start the season. Um, they but I so bad, dude. I think they're going to look at the film, realize that they messed up not involving Vance McDonald, and uh, things will get back on track in Week 2 for the Steelers throwing to the tight end. We'll see. I mean, you you know I, I've been saying that I don't trust the Steelers' offense without Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. In it. Um, it, it really – I mean, the Patriots just looked great. The Steelers looked terrible. But it, it really reflected in, in week one that not having him there is definitely a big uh, downgrade for this offense. So unless someone can, someone can step up and really be a game-changer on that offense, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster – was still effective, but you can't you know, throw the ball to Dante Moncrief ten times. No, that was that was bad. He has that was brick really hands. Bad. Those ten times honestly should have gone to Vance McDonald and or at I, least I, half I, of them. And you know what? If they do that, then Vance McDonald has been salvaged, and that's exactly what we were all expecting when we took Vance McDonald as the number seven or number eight tight end off the board this year. But at the same time, I mean, how can you not panic? about a guy that didn't have a single target until the last minute of the game. Yeah. Uh, so, it's definitely concerning, but I'm not full-blown panic mode yet. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the last bust of the week, a guy that we told I, you about. Said, I said, Kyle said, we told you to pretty much avoid him yep. in your draft, but especially avoid him in week one. Jared Cook put up like five fantasy points, dude. Like, Bad. He's... If Drew Brees you, if you doesn't wanna, throw to the tight end. Exactly. And if you want to hear us rant about Jared Cook, go back last week, listen to what we were saying about Jared Cook and our start and sit. Go back um, during the draft process podcast, too. We, we said yeah. it from the get-go. Drew Brees does not like the tight end. And if you put faith in Jared Cook, shame on you. Yeah. So we're, we're just going to move on from him. I'm not even going to say that I'm panicking on him because I never liked him yeah, to begin with. I never had but, the panics. <laughs> If I did like Jared Cook, I would be panicking after yeah. that performance. You want me to hit these waiver wire pickups, Mikey? Yeah, hit these waiver wire pickups. All right, we'll, go, so, we'll, we'll go through these real quick. So the quarterbacks that you should be trying to target if you need them, Josh Allen, Andy Dalton uh, as a streaming option going up against the 49ers. I don't 100% trust it, but uh, if he's available and you need a guy, like say you drafted Nick Foles and you need a quarterback, go get Andy Dalton. Derek Carr looked phenomenal. And uh, Gardner Minshew, he was he was great. So I mean, if he can keep up the consistency there, 
those are the four quarterbacks you should be going after. Yeah, and my, my big one of the week, if you're looking for a streaming option, uh, would honestly be Derek Carr. Yep. Because the, the Chiefs' defense is just Swiss cheese. awful. Um, either, either Gardner Minshew is really good or the Kansas City's chief defense is really bad. I'm going to go with the latter. Even though I think Gardner Minshew is pretty decent and he showed us that he's pretty decent, I'm just going to go ahead and say the Chiefs are going to get torched nearly every week. So Derek Carr in line for a pretty decent game this week. So if you have to stream someone, uh, he's your guy. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at the running backs here, we talked about how Darius Geis is going down. So Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson are going to be heavy ads. Carlos Hyde looked good for the Houston Texans last night. And then something we didn't talk about, Todd Gurley not getting goal line carries. (laughs) Haha, goal line. Uh, line. They went to Malcolm Brown. So Malcolm Brown's going to be a heavy waiver wire pickup. I'm staying away from him. But he's going to be somebody that gets added because he scored two touchdowns for the uh, for the Rams on Sunday. Yeah, when you get 50 yards and two touchdowns, I mean, you're definitely going to draw some attention. And maybe they're just keeping Todd Gurley fresh. Maybe they were cocky and they thought it was a game they could win without him. Um, you know, who knows? But it, it it is a legitimate threat that Todd Gurley really didn't see any red zone carries, uh, and they, they all went to Malcolm Brown. Yeah, it was so weird. if you if if you want the touchdown dependent option uh, from the Rams from the Rams offense, Malcolm Brown is an add. I would personally take Malcolm Brown over Carlos Hyde, but I would take Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson over both of these yeah. options. Looking at the wide hey. receivers, uh, we've got your guy Terry McLaurin, Danny Amendola, Mecole Hardman, and I think both Browns are going to be big waiver wire pickups. AJ Brown and Hollywood Brown, uh, just from their performances this weekend. So those five guys. Uh, I think are going to be the most targeted wide receivers available on the waivers this week. For sure. And like we were saying earlier, I mean, Danny Amendola, target monster with Matt Stafford. Michael Hardman going to have an increased role with Tyreek Hill out. And then A.J. Brown, Marquise Brown, and Torrey McLaurin, they all had phenomenal uh, rookie performances in week one. And then moving on to the tight ends for the waiver wire is T.J. Hawkinson. He is owned in over 50% of Yahoo leagues, but it's only like 51 or 52%. So if you are in one of those leagues where you are lucky enough to still see him on the waiver wire, he is an absolute must-add. Um, Darren Waller from Oakland, also an absolute must-add at the tight end position. He was hyper-targeted mm-hmm. uh, early and often. He, he started the first quarter immediately with like two catches for 20 yards or something like that, uh, which if you're going to get four points from your tight end right at the beginning of the game, that's pretty awesome in PPR. And then uh, for as long as Jordan Reed is out, Vernon Davis is actually a pretty solid play. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm not taking him over Waller or Hawkinson, and yeah. I'm definitely not he's starting a, him over either of those guys. But he is a he's a desperation he's play. Tight end too. That yes, yes. So that is going to be it for our waiver pickups, and we will. Oh my goodness, we've been on for a while. Yeah, this Antonio awesome. Brown delayed us. So let's get into the <laughs> matchups this week, Mikey, because we've let's got some tasty them. matchups. Uh, I'll kick things off for everybody here. Thursday night football, the Buccaneers head to Carolina to take on your Panthers. Uh, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans are my, my definite starters. I think Mike Evans is going to bounce back, and Chris Godwin is Chris Godwin. He looked very good uh, this week. Obviously, everything is contingent on Jameis Winston just showing up and actually being productive. Um, no doubt. Panthers, I see a bounce-back game for Cam Newton. Christian McCaffrey is a god amongst men, 
and I see uh, bounce-back games for both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Yeah, and one thing I want to talk about with the Panthers, uh, Greg Olson, I think if you need a streaming option, you could play him this week, yes. providing that he does play. He did sit out of practice with a back injury, but I don't believe it's supposed to be serious. So Greg Olson is on the uh, you know streaming radar with that. With that being said, I'm also starting Carolina's defense. Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston is a pick monster. Uh, I don't I don't care if Chris Godwin and Mike Evans combine for three touchdowns uh, because Carolina Panthers are probably going to get two or three turnovers this game. So they're they're uh, a good one to go with. Their kicker, uh, I don't even know his first name. All I know is his last name, Sly, uh, who filled in for, for Graham Gano in week one, actually was did a pretty good job. So yeah. if you need a kicker, you want to play one on Thursday night, uh, he's your guy. Um, the Buccaneers, I'm not starting any of their running backs. O.J. Howard. You still have to start him if you drafted him because you drafted him as a top-five tight end. But I would limit expectations, especially with the linebackers that Carolina has. Um, They will be giving O.J. Howard the business early and often. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Moving on to Sunday, though, we've got the Cardinals and the Ravens, the battle of two young mobile quarterbacks. Uh, The Cardinals, I'm starting Kyler Murray just because of the fact that he can run a little bit, and it seemed like Cliff Kingsbury... Uh, made some adjustments during the game. He came out and said that in the post-game press conference that uh, he got a little full of himself, made the adjustments, and that's when things started clicking. I'm playing Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, he was Kyler Murray's favorite target you know, during the comeback, and they seemed to build a lot of camaraderie. And then you have to play David Johnson because uh, you drafted him as a, a, an elite running back, even against a tough Ravens defense. Ravens, Lamar Jackson, you're playing him. Mark Andrews must start, and uh, I'm not too sure about the wide receivers. This is kind of a, a wait-and-see game when it comes to Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, and the rest of those guys. But Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson are definite plays. And then Mark Ingram, you can play him in this game because the Cardinals' defense against the run just isn't that good. See, I am, I'm only starting David Johnson on the Arizona side. I don't trust the passing game. I don't trust the receivers in this one. Uh, I'm literally... If I have an Arizona Cardinal, I'm literally only starting him if he's David Johnson. Um, no exceptions for me in, 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 in that one. And then for the Ravens, I'm only starting Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. Like you were saying, the wide receivers are just way too volatile right now. I'm not going to trust any of them. And then you know me. I just hate Mark Ingram, so <laughs> I'm not I'm not starting Mike, Mark, Mark Ingram. I played uh, Mark Ingram in that FanDuel game, not a sponsor, and uh, he helped me out big time. So shouts to oh, Mark was, Ingram. He was great this week, but anyone that plays Miami is going to be good. So shout out to uh, Sony Michelle for his upcoming 20-point week. <laughs> but uh, moving on to the next game, we have the Cowboys visiting the Washington Redskins. Uh, from the Cowboys' side of the ball, is there anyone not named Jason Witten that you're sitting? Uh, no, it's Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, Zeke, and Dak. You're playing all four of those guys. Yeah, you, you have to. I mean, you got to expect all of them to have pretty decent games against this Washington defense, which who quite frankly just isn't that good. On the other side of the ball, the Redskins, um, very, very difficult for me this week. Chris Thompson's the only guy I'm touching. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Uh, I don't trust Adrian Peterson in this one. I, as much as I want to start Terry McLaurin, I don't I trust him against that Cowboys secondary. Neither do I. The Cowboys defense is actually pretty lethal looking Yeah, you need right to now. play them this week. Yeah, so I would, I would go with the Cowboys defense for sure. 
Um, and the only Redskins that we're starting is going to be Chris Thompson. And that's that's only if you're in a PPR league. If yep. for some reason you haven't joined the 21st century and you're still playing in a standard league, uh, quit that league right now, join a PPR <laughs> league, pick up Chris Thompson and start his ass this week. Yeah, and if you're, <laughs> if you're a Tevin Coleman owner, you're picking up Chris Thompson over Raheem Mostert, in my opinion. Oh, I, I agree completely. Chargers um, and Lions, Mikey. This game is going to be fun. Um this is a game where I say you can almost get away with playing everybody. Yeah, I, I would agree. You're obviously not sitting Eckler, Henry. You could start Phillip Rivers. Uh, you're you're playing Keenan Allen. Now, I will ask you, though, Mike Williams, if, if for some reason he does play with that knee injury, are you trusting him? Or no. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, I personally, right now, even if Mike Williams does play, I have the option to play Mark Andrews and Delaney Walker, one of them taking over the flex spot for Mike Williams. And as of right now, I'm definitely going to do that if it comes to it. Yeah, especially so, since it's a knee injury, I'm weighing on the side of caution, and I don't even know if he's going to play this week. So, Yeah, so Mike Williams is probably the only charger that you're going to sit. Uh, and I would I would stay away from Justin Jackson, too, just because I think Austin Eckler's kind of separated himself yeah. a bit. Lions, you're um, playing uh, Hawkinson, obviously, if you have him or if you pick him up off of waivers. Uh, Matthew I Stafford, Hawk. I think you can get away with playing this week as a streamable quarterback. And then uh, you're hoping and praying on Johnson uh, you know, comes back to form. And then same thing with Kenny Galladay because I think this is going to be a heavy Hawkinson game just with you know how the Chargers' defense is. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. Carry um, on Johnson is going to be the biggest question mark, but yep. like we were saying earlier, you know, if you have him, you, you can't sit him at this point of the season. It's just impossible to do. So that's that's your guys' call. Um, the defenses on these teams, are you are you starting either one of them, or do you think this is – I get the feeling that this is going to be a pretty heavy-hitting affair. Yeah, I'm staying away from these defenses this week. Yeah, me too. Um, moving on to the Colts and the Titans. On the Colts' side of the ball, T.Y. Hilton? T.Y. He looked fantastic, even with Jacoby Brissett. Um, I'm, I'm playing T.Y. until proven otherwise, because he's still going to be a, a pretty dynamic wide receiver. The only other guy I would consider starting from Indianapolis would be Marlon Mack. Yeah. Um, it's it's not my favorite matchup. No, because Tennessee's just... run defense looked fantastic. They did. They looked incredible. Um, and the only thing that puts him into that RB2 flex appeal for me is that he's coming off of a 25-point yeah. uh, you know, PPR week. So Marlon Mack, you can still fire him up, even against this uh, stiff Tennessee Titans defense. And then on the Titans side of the ball, I'm definitely starting Derrick Henry, which is something I never thought I would say. <laughs> Um, I'm definitely, definitely, definitely starting Delaney Walker in this one. Aside from that, I, st- I still just can't trust any of yeah. the receivers. The rest of it's wait and see. The biggest one is A.J. Brown, obviously, um, just sure. because he had you know 100 yards this week. But uh, you wait and see, see what happens, see who Marcus Mariota builds some more chemistry with. But Delaney Walker and Derrick Henry are the two obvious guys that are locked in for this one from the Titans. Now let me let me ask you this one, just for my own personal gain. Do you prefer Delaney Walker or TJ Hawkinson this week? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I oh man, jeez, I like them both. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of those tough kind of coin flips where 
It's just a matter of picking what defense you want to go up against. Yeah, it's. If, I think they're both. If I had to I say, I might say Hawkinson just because the Chargers don't typically throw uh, tight ends out there, and I think or uh, linebackers out on their defense. It's a lot of you know secondary out there, and uh, I think Hawkinson can bully those guys. But either way, I think it's a safe bet for for points from either of those guys. Yeah, I'm I'm really debating activating him off of my practice squad and getting his <laughs> ass in there, but it's just it's just so hard since I already have Mark Andrews and Delaney Walker on my roster. It's mm-hmm. so hard to just take on the salary cap and add a third guy, but that's enough of my league talk. Moving on to the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a game that just has a billion question marks written all over it. I'm, I'm starting- avoiding this game as much as I can. I am too. The only there's there's three players in this entire game that I'm starting, and it's Chris Carson, James Conner, and Juju Smith Schuster. Mm-hmm. And to be completely honest, I'm not excited about any of it. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about your uh, your Tyler Lockett stakes? Um, I'm not panicking. If that's what you're asking. Okay. I I will be panicking if he only gets another two targets this week. <laughs> but. Uh, DK Metcalf looked very good. DK Metcalf did look good. So but we'll yeah, see what happens. This, I'm this not panicking on Tyler Lockett. But like I was saying earlier in that situation where you could start Matt Breida in the flex position or Tyler Lockett in the flex position, I'm leaning Matt Breida, which too. honestly says a lot about a guy that we were all drafting to be a legitimate, legitimate wide receiver three or even a fairly decent wide receiver two in Tyler Lockett. So Except for me. Take that as you will. And then, like we were saying, James Conner and Juju Smith-Schuster can both be started just because they are studs. You can't bench your studs even in a weird matchup. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Buffalo, visiting the New York Giants. Play every Buffalo player you have. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the same boat. And I think, dude, if, if they give Devin Singletary first-half touches – Devin Singletary could do something very special in this game. That Giants defense is atrocious. And Buffalo has playmakers. Josh Allen can move on his feet. Play every Buffalo Bill you possibly have. Yeah. Um, On the other side of the ball, Evan Evan Ingram, Ingram, Saquon Saquon Barkley, Barkley. Jinx, Uobi, Soda. Moving on (laughs) to the 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, For the 49ers, who are you starting? Uh, Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert as a flex. None of the wide receivers because they stink. And then, uh, obviously, George Kittle. Yeah, I'm only starting George Kittle and Matt Breida. I don't trust Mostert to come in and be a flex just yet. Um, I, I, I genuinely do think Breida is going to have a very large majority share of this offense. And a big part of that stems from my bias from last year when Matt Breida was their starting running back. He looked pretty damn good. And I, I think that trend will continue uh, this year. So I do like Matt Breida a lot. I do like George Kittle a lot, obviously. From the Cincinnati side, Joe Mixon, probably not going to play this week. He's got an ankle sprain. I know oh, they're saying yeah, it's Gio. questionable right now. Oh, no doubt. Geo is a must-start if Joe Mixon sits. Um, and if Joe Mixon does play, I don't think you can start either one of the running backs at that point because no. Joe Mixon – if he plays, he's going to be playing with a sprained ankle. He didn't particularly look great last week, even before the injury. Um, it's 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 so hard saying to sit Joe Mixon because I would consider him as a stud, and I never want to tell anyone to sit their studs. But if he's playing injured, 
you have to bench him. Um, I'm starting Tyler Boyd in this one. And if Joe Mixon is on the field, Tyler Boyd is the only one that I'm firing up with confidence. If I'm desperate, I am playing John Ross, though. Yeah, that's about it. I'm staying away from John Ross, like I said, but Tyler Boyd's my only lock uh, from the Bengals in this one. Uh, Moving on to a divisional matchup between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. Minnesota Vikings, you're starting Adam Thielen, you're starting Dalvin Cook. That's probably about it. Yeah, Kyle Rudolph can be... You know, shunned to the bench or dropped. Dropped. Uh, Drop him. Stefan Diggs is benched this week for me, and that's really all they have. Dalvin Cook is is running this offense. I'm honestly benching Kirk Coupons if I have him and picking no up doubt. a quarterback off of waivers. Uh, the Packers, I'm playing Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I'm on the fence about Jimmy Graham. I'm not buying it just yet. I agree. Uh, but it's going to be one of those intriguing kind of let's see what happens. Um, my my thing with Jimmy Graham is that it's it's not like he came out and commanded eight or nine targets yeah. on this offense. Like he had five targets, he had like thirty yards and a touchdown, which good. I mean, a, a touchdown from your tight end is all you could really ever ask for. But let's be real, Jimmy Graham is not the end zone target Devonte adams is the end zone yeah. target so you can't bank on jimmy graham to come in and get a touchdown every week like delani walker is probably the safest touchdown dependent tight end that you could find because marcus Mariota is not targeting like anyone else i mean no. i would say Corey davis but Corey davis put up a big goose egg on yeah, sunday so i'm not even worried about drop him. him yeah it's it's bad uh, but jimmy graham jimmy graham doesn't offer the same weekly upside and this is a tough matchup I'm just, I'm just not trusting it. He didn't get enough volume last week to warrant a start this week. Yeah, I'm playing Aaron Jones uh, if you have to, but if you can afford not to, I would bench him. And then I'm dropping Geronimo Allison, keeping MVS uh, on my bench. For sure. Moving on to the Jaguars and the Texans. Uh, from the Jaguars' side of the ball, I'm it's, so confused. It's tough. This is such a tough I'm, game to call. Um, I'm starting Leonard Fournette. Yeah, definitely starting Leonard Fournette. It's it's so tough because you don't know which receiver is going to be the top guy. Like obviously you want to say D.D. Westbrook, but there's no more Nick Foles. You want to say D.J. Chark because he's coming off of a big week, but it's just one week. You can even make an argument for uh, for Chris Conley who looks pretty mm-hmm. good. It's it's just like there's there's so many options going on in Jacksonville right now, and nobody knows anything about Gardner Minshew, so we can't even begin to guess what he's going to do. Like who knows? He could work with D.D. Westbrook all week this week because he is their best receiver. Um, they, he could work with him all week this week. Come out, give him twelve targets on Sunday. You don't know. For the time being, I'm not starting any other Jaguar besides Leonard Fournette. Yeah, if. If you have to, there are more desperation flex options because the Texans' defense isn't really that great in the secondary. Right. And then from the Texans' side of the ball, you got your obvious starters in Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, In my opinion, Will Fuller is – I don't want to say he's an every-week must start. Um, Like, this is a matchup where I'm probably staying away from him. He's going to play all 16 games, Mikey. Remember that. (laughs) Yes, you've been calling it. But um, one down, I'm fifteen firing, to go. I'm not firing him up this week against Jacksonville, just because even though Jalen Ramsey is going to be on DeAndre Hopkins, uh, who by the way DeAndre Hopkins can more than handle. Um, but AJ Bouye is going to be, I'm guessing, on Will Fuller. And I'm it's not just, high on AJ Bouye, and I think Will Fuller can decimate him. So I'm starting Will Fuller this week. 
I will agree to disagree on that one. But AJ Bouye has, has lost a step. He, he has, but it's I don't know. I just I, I like I Will Fuller in this matchup. I can't go on board with it. So he Kyle says start Will Fuller. I say don't start Will Fuller. Uh, you choose who you want to listen to. Hopefully you listen to the correct person. Hopefully that person's me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as far as the running backs go. I'm starting Duke Johnson just because yeah. he's going to see the volume. I'm not starting Carlos Hyde. No. no. Do you do you want to make a bet real quick? You know, bets are fun. Do you want to make a fun little friendly wager about Will Fuller? Uh, sure. What's what 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 are we going for? Will Fuller's going to have at least five catches in this game. Five catches? Oh, I'll I'll take that bet. I don't think he's going to have five catches. I think in he's going to get five catches. See, I was I was going to be generous and say that he would just be held to less than. 10 fantasy points um but i will i will gladly take the uh the five reception uh fun bet that we have going on i think it's gonna happen uh let's see we got patriots and dolphins next right yeah okay so if they play for miami you sit them if they play for new england (laughs) you you start except for antonio brown because you don't know what's gonna happen it's that simple. Honestly, I don't even know if Antonio Brown will play this week. Even if even if his name gets completely cleared in the next 72 hours, I don't know if they're going to play him this week because yeah. not only does he not really know the offense at this point, but this is not a desperation game. Like, they no. don't need Antonio Brown to win this game in the slightest bit. Like, this is, as far as I'm concerned, this game might go, like, 60-3 in favor yeah. of the Patriots. So, you're starting everyone. Uh, if just monitor the whole Antonio Brown thing, but I, I don't know. It's, it's such a up. tricky. We can't keep up. It's such a tricky situation, but uh, I do want to touch base. James White is a start. Sony Michelle is a start. Rex Burkhead. I know he looked good uh, on away. Sunday night, but I would stay away from him just because I think it's an unknown. He's not gonna. He's not going to own Sony Michelle every week, and if anyone is going to own Miami, it's going to be Sony Michelle. Yeah. So moving on from that, the Chiefs and the Raiders. We talked about it earlier. From the Raiders play side of the everybody. ball, you're going to. Yeah, I, I think you could. I think you could legitimately play everyone that has a name. So you have Tyrell Williams. He's a start. You have Derek uh, Carr. He's a start. You have Darren Waller, who's a start. You have Josh Jacobs, who made is... me look stupid. Well, in my opinion, I, I think he's going to be great. But in my opinion, I don't like him in this matchup, and I actually have him listed as a sit him in my sit article, my start and sit article that's coming out tomorrow. And my big reason is this: he did not make a splash in terms of PPR at all last night. However, he did have twenty three rushing yard or twenty three rushing attempts for over a hundred yards and two touchdowns. That's awesome. But in a negative game script that the Raiders will inevitably have against the Kansas City Chiefs, he's not getting twenty three. Yeah rush attempts he's gonna have maybe 15 if we're lucky if he keeps on track of his of his average yards per carry you know we might see like 60 65 yards might get a touchdown out of him but in my opinion josh jacobs is just a touchdown dependent play this week it's hard to bench him after the big performance he had on monday night football but uh from my perspective he is going to be a sit on the other side of the ball you're starting your chiefs you're starting sammy Watkins. you're starting travis kelsey you're starting pat mahomes um i i don't really like Miko Hardman just yet. Yeah, you got to like, wait and see what he can do. I wouldn't start him, but I would definitely pick him up on waivers this week uh, to get ahead of the curve yeah. for when, if and when he goes off against Oakland. Um, I'm Kelsey, definitely obviously. starting 
I'm definitely starting Damian Williams in this one. Uh, this should be a big PPR game for Damian Williams. Um, and even LaShawn McCoy. Shady is start. a, all pun intended, shady flex option this week. Would you prefer him or Damian Williams in a full-point PPR this week? Uh, probably Damian, but, but I like... But not by much, right? I like both this week. Yeah, I like I like both, too, especially because the fourth quarter could potentially belong to LaShawn McCoy yep. in this one. So it's, it's, it's interesting depending on how you view this game. Uh, I think Damian Williams is going to be a safer play, also with the higher ceiling than LaShawn McCoy. But if you're, if you're desperate... You know, like I, I don't even know the situation. Like, if you're if you're trusting a Chicago Bears running back, like it, I would I would start Lashawn McCoy over David Montgomery. This or if you're week, you a Tevin I mean? Coleman owner and you need somebody, you're playing Lashawn exactly. McCoy. Exactly. So Lashawn McCoy could be a good option. Now let me ask you this: Lashawn McCoy or Aaron Jones? Uh, Shady. Really? Yeah. Okay. Because I think Shady's going to get the receptions too. Okay, now Devonta Freeman or LaShawn McCoy? Shady. Wow. Okay. I, I'm I'm very panicked about Devonta Freeman. All right. Well, you might have answered my question because uh, <laughs> maybe maybe I'll start LaShawn McCoy over Aaron Jones in my dynasty league this week. <laughs> Saints and Rams, Mikey. Uh, this is a game where I'm playing everybody on the Rams just because this is the the boiling over from the the playoffs last year. Uh, and this game's going to get intense, the man. The Saints, I'm playing the obvious Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees. Uh, I'm playing Traquan. I think I'm playing Traquan with... as a flex in this game, too. Okay, I'm not quite there with uh, Traquan yet, but let me ask you about Latavius Murray. You starting him? I don't think I am. Yeah, I don't think so either. Alvin Kamara dominated last night. And, yeah, uh, he had like 75% of the touches that all the running backs got. And it's, it's the Rams' defense. Yeah, um, so Alvin Kamara might not do a whole hell of a lot on the ground this week, but he could have a huge game yep. uh, with with receptions. And play, all like so, play all your Rams. Play all your Rams. Yeah, so New Orleans versus the Rams, that's going to be a big, That's a popcorn big game. fantasy game. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Bears and up, Broncos. kind of have the opposite with the Chicago Bears and the Denver Broncos. Yikes. Uh, in my opinion... There are only three players that you can definitively start in this one. And for Chicago, it's going to be Allen Robinson. Okay. For Denver, it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders. Okay. And then the third one is kind of a tie because I don't necessarily love either one of these guys this week, but I would start them because I feel they're serviceable in a PPR league. And that's going to be either Tariq Cohen or Philip Lindsay. Uh, I'm on the opposite with the wide receiver from Denver. Uh, I knew I knew you would be. I mean, Joe I Flacco say, seemed to be favoring Cortland Sutton last night, and I think that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not talking down on Cortland Sutton. It's just I think I think this one's going to be Emmanuel Sanders' game. I mean, but even then, I'm not firing up either of those guys with confidence. Nope. If you have I mean, better options, this, play well, this other is, options. This is a defense that made Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams crumble. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that Joe Flacco, Joe Flacco is terrible come against out here the Raiders and sling it to either Corlin Sutton or Emmanuel Sanders? Probably not. So you know what? I, I retract that. I'm not starting anyone from the Broncos. I'm actually only starting Allen Robinson in this one. After we've talked through it, I'm only starting Allen Robinson. He's the only one I'm confident with. Yeah. 
And you just got to monitor Trey Burton's injury still because who knows what's going to happen with his groin. But even if he plays, you can't, yeah. can't trust him. Eagles and uh, Falcons, this is a, another play-all-your-guys type game. Yeah, I I got to say, though, I don't know if I'm playing the running backs from either squad. No. I'm not. This is a this is a play pass catchers game. I should I should rephrase. This that. is a, this is a massive pass catchers game, and it, it sucks because this is one of those games where if you have Devonta Freeman, you probably can't bench him. So you're going to get stuck playing him. Like I know I'm stuck playing him in one of my leagues this week, just because you you can't bench him yet. If you have Devonta Freeman, you need to be hitting the waiver wire for a Chris Thompson or Raheem Mostert type uh, for sure. to back yourself up. For sure, you need you need something there. But uh, so even though I'm gonna say Devonta Freeman is a sit, he's so hard to sit. He really is. Yeah, I'm um, sitting him. But but from the Falcons, you're starting Matt Ryan, Austin Hooper, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. Hell, you can even start Marvin Sanu this week. And then for the Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, you're you're doing the exact same. You're starting Carson Wentz, Djax, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, um, Dallas Goddard might even get a look if you're completely desperate at mm-hmm. tight end this week. So there's there's a lot going on from a fantasy perspective in this one. Yeah, this is another popcorn game. Uh, and then the last matchup of the week is going to be Monday Night Snooze Football. Fest. Cleveland Browns visiting the New York Jets. This should produce at least two or three very relevant fantasy options. The only thing that sucks, though, is that... Two of those fantasy options might be both of these teams' defenses. Yeah, um, the Jets' defense, secondary-wise, I'm not very high on, so obviously you're playing Odell, but you're playing Jarvis Landry this week with confidence, uh, and it all depends on Baker Mayfield bouncing back, which I think he will. Uh, He should. you got to play Nick Chubb because you drafted him as an elite running back. David Njoku I think you can play as well. um, Because I think the, the Jets' linebackers got a little bit dinged up last week against Buffalo. Jets... Le'Veon. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, and I want to – a part of me wants to say you can start Jamison Crowder because he's coming off of 17 targets, which is ludicrous. Um, I think if you're desperate, you could start Jamison Crowder this week, but I want to put things into perspective. So earlier today, somebody messaged us on Twitter and asked if they should start Michael Gallup or Jamison Crowder. Michael and without hesitation, without hesitation, I said Michael Gallup. But there were a couple people in the mentions telling us we're crazy. And, look, if you want to start Jamison Crowder, be my guest. I'm not going to tell you to start him, but I'm also not going to tell you to sit him. But I will say this. He's not getting 17 targets ever again this season. 17 targets is absolutely ridiculous. And if you think that's a pace that he can keep up with, you haven't been watching football. Um, Hear this out, too, Mikey. He he had those 17 targets and 14 receptions. But he didn't have 100 yards, and he also didn't score. Well, that's that's the other thing. I mean, you have a guy that's going to be that inefficient after the catch. Like, I was watching the game. He would grab onto the ball and just fall down almost immediately. Like, yeah, he's a PPR asset if you're banking on double-digit receptions each week, which you can't do. Um, you know, last last year, Sam Darnold did the exact same thing with Quincy Anunwa, and we thought Quincy Anunwa was going to come in and have that role, but now it's Jamison Crowder. But... Quincy Anunwa lost that role after like two or three weeks, and it's it's just not something that's sustainable. So Jameson Crowder, if you want to use a waiver pickup on him, be my guest. If you already have him on your roster, cool. If you want to start him, I'm not telling you not to, but 
you can't expect 17 targets or 14 receptions this week. Yeah, you can't. You can't. Play Michael Gallup. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's that's it. I know this was an extremely long episode. Thanks we got to about AB. A, about an hour and a half, maybe even a little bit longer of content on here, which is just awesome. Um, I, I love longer shows. It's it, there's there's There was just too much to talk about in week one to to cram it all into an hour yeah and ab gyrated us uh for about 15 minutes but as always mikey they can all of our listeners can follow us on twitter at underground phi and at goal underscore line underscore ffb you can also uh subscribe to us on apple Podcasts. leave those five star ratings and reviews only five stars because we have standards and we know you do too Leave all of your your questions and everything and all that good fantasy football stuff in your five-star review, and we will read them on the podcast if they are there. And if you don't have an iPhone, upgrade your phone, or you can follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, that's how you uh, can hear our lovely voices each and every week to give you this fantasy advice. No doubt. And uh, this time next week, we'll be back with our Week 2 recap. We'll reflect on... Whatever the hell's going on with Antonio Brown, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be something new. Honestly, like there's something new coming out about this guy. He's uh, joining the circus, dude. It's bad. It's bad. But uh, but yeah. So tune in again next week. Uh, we'll be doing the same thing again. We're going to be going over our week two recap. We'll be giving you a preview into week three. Obviously, talking about the waiver wires and everything. Speaking of the waiver wires, uh, yesterday, uh, well, it's Tuesday night for us, so I'm going to say today. But you're listening to this on Wednesday. So yesterday, Sean Clancy. Uh, one of our writers posted his favorite waiver wire pickups. Uh, so you can find that article over on our website. Uh, the link is directly in our Twitter handle or our Twitter bio. Uh, it's and also in the later... description of every podcast. Exactly. So there's no excuse not to go and check out these articles. And then we're also coming out with our full start and sit article. So in case you want to... Get some reiterated opinions if you didn't quite take in everything because you were too busy thinking about Antonio Brown. Go over and check out the article that we're releasing today of our starts and sits of the week. Um, so that's that's all we got for this week. So for myself, for Kyle, for Underground Sports Philadelphia, and, of course, for Goal Line Fantasy Football, thanks for tuning in this week, and we look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Don't be a clown like Antonio Brown. Peace. <laughs>